This is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. And I don't suck. And neither does the Pipples podcast. But anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're ready to go here on the Pipples Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. You got Alex here. I'm Steve. And I'm sending my love down the well. Steve's mic's fine right now. What, what? Right now, but it never is. And one day, people are going to understand why that is so funny to me. Today is not that day, Greg. Not yet. It's not that day. And they'll understand why we call him Timmy O'Toole. Um, thanks for giving us a, a listen here. If you're, uh, wherever you find your podcast, if you're watching on YouTube or on Sastel max on demand, thank you so much. You can give us a follow on social media on Twitter or X as it's called. Um, you're, you're not still not doing that. Hey, Steve, the never, ever throw, throw up the X, um, at piffles pod. Uh, you can give me a follow at real Alex D you can find me at Safamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Of course, uh, find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Piffles Podcast. Piffles Podcast, of course, is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. I know they're going to be quite busy this upcoming Saturday, uh, mostly because I'm going to make that my pregame meal before the Riders game against Hamilton. We're going to talk a lot about that game coming up. Um but it was a sad, sad start to the week here uh, in Saskatchewan, in Rider Nation. And we'll start with that in the opening kickoff. So there I am watching Sunday Night Football, as I always do, and start seeing my phone start lighting up. Okay, something's going on. And of course, we all see the terrible news that George Reed, the greatest running back in the history of the CFL, one of the top two greatest riders, possibly the greatest rider of all time. When you're talking him and Ron Lancaster, uh, George Reed passing away at the age of 83 on Sunday, a day before his 84th birthday, which kind of made it that much sadder. And I've tried to, think about the words that I would say about this. And I just don't have any, I don't know. It was a gut punch. Then it's still, it's so heartbreaking right now because even at age 83, you thought he was going to live forever. You saw him at, at football games. They showed him up on the Maxtron and it just never seemed like it was ever going to, you know, be a thing we'd have to worry about. And it's, it's just sad. It's really sad. Um, and I'm still feeling it a few days later. Um, and I, I still don't know what to say other than, uh, rest it, rest in peace to a legend and icon in not just Saskatchewan, but Canadian sports in George Reed. The term living legend was thrown around by a lot of people, but George Reed was that to so many, uh, in Rider Nation in the CFL. And you could tell 
by the outpouring of uh, condolences coming from other teams and other players just talking about how they met George and how he was a man's man, how he was such an ambassador for the league, how he was a, a true statesman. He, he was one of the guys that helped start the PA. He was so instrumental in in the CFL landscape, both on and off the field. Our, our fellow meatballs over at uh, the Greencast, uh, Joel and John, were talk, uh, they had a comment about the Mount Rushmore of Ryder players. I'd argue you'd have to put George Reed on the Rushmore of, of the CFL. Um, even more so than Ronnie. He is, he is such, he was woven so much in the fabric of this game. And you're not kidding, Alex. Like I, I posted on X myself that you, you, you knew he wasn't going to live forever, but you always felt like he was going to be at every Ryder game. And you could always tell when they, even if you were looking at the Maxtron, you could always tell when they panned over and put him on the big screen. Cause it would just be out of the blue. Just a giant cheer when people realized uh, George was there. You know, as as good of a career as he had on the field, to me, it was his, it was his off the field life after football that that really made him the legend that he is today. When you when you factor in his work with the with the PA, his work with Special Olympics, his work in the city, everything he did post career was for the betterment of the CFL, the city of Regina, and everything along with it. And you don't see people like that putting that much of their time into a city that they aren't originally from anymore. Like, that's just not something you see. You see guys stick around for sure in cities where they have their careers, but not to the extent that George did. He came back in, was it 2007, uh, to work with the the casinos with SAS Gaming. And has been here ever since. And he was a mainstay at Taylor Field. He was a mainstay at Mosaic. You know, they've they've roped off his perch at Mosaic Stadium. And I hope to God nobody ever sits in those seats again, his family excluded. Because that is that is his home. That is that is his and nobody else's. Absolutely. And it's it's really it's it's really hard to put into words what he meant to this team and to this city as a whole. Well, and just being We'll start with him as a player, what he meant to the team as a player. He was the first um, rider to be named most outstanding player in 1965. Was the Grey Cup MVP in 1966, bringing home the first Grey Cup to Saskatchewan. And 16,000 yards, 134 touchdowns, which still stands as the record for for rushing to this day. Um, And... When you look at it, he still had 1,454 yards his final season. His second or third highest career rushing was his last year. He could have kept going. Um, Obviously, the team started getting pretty bad there after a while when it was him and Ronnie retired. Um, But that was... You look at the generation of Ryder fans that Ronnie and George are directly responsible for they were the ones that set rider pride in motion and i truly believe that because without them i don't know if the team lasts as long as you know they did with having such bad records in the in the 70s and 80s um but the pride that the province had because of these guys um was just 
it was it was something else and um we kind of talked about it before just um talking about him in the community he always took time to talk to people no matter what doesn't matter if you never saw him play like i we're all too young to see him play live but we've seen the highlights but he would sit down and he would talk to you for five minutes and shake your hand and just talk football um i remember the first time that i met him was actually labor day classic 2007 and uh my season ticket holder uh buddy morgan and i paint we always painted our bodies up green and morgan said well george reed's gonna be signing autographs pre-game draw 34 on me so we made a a jersey on him in paint and uh george went and he he loved it i'll never forget that he's like you guys are absolutely crazy i love it he goes this is what i love about rider nation is guys like you and ended up signing morgan's back which was hilarious i don't know how long it took for him to to wash that off but um he took time for everybody and um i do i do want to share one story about him it's not my story uh it's a friend of mine brooke um huge huge rider fan unbelievably huge rider fan and uh his grandfather was diagnosed with cancer um years back and upon hearing this george reed went out to moose jaw um and just sat there with brooks grandpa for a couple hours went to his place for the afternoon and they just sat down and talked football and you know forgot about a cancer diagnosis and it was just it was just like talking to an old friend about old times. And that's the kind of person that George was. It was always bigger than him, right? Like it was never, he was never, I mean, he was this huge figure to us, but he was never that way to him. And I know if you ask him, if you were ever to ask George Reed, his biggest accomplishment, he would say his children. And having a daughter that went to the Olympics, Georgette Reed, I mean, he always brought that up. That was always one of the things that he made sure he brought up all the time about how proud he was of her and deservedly so. Uh, but it was never about him ever. It didn't matter. And this was, you know, the greatest running back of all time saying this and or not saying anything about himself. It was always about somebody else. And to me, that was that's the legacy of George Reed. To go back to the stats, do you understand how crazy his numbers are? Wes Cates uh, earlier today, uh, uh, when he passed, uh, posted that he's number two on the Riders' rushing list. Uh, George has three uh, three thousand two hundred thirty three yards. Wes Cates has nine hundred and four. There's a bit of a gap there. Like it's... carries. That's that's carries. Oh, sorry, carries. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. The yardage is also uh, <laughs> sorry sixteen thousand. 116 uh, versus 4761. <laughs> uh, like George Reed's fingerprints were all over this team in the 60s and 70s. He was a superstar before superstars existed in this league. And yeah, like 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 we were talking before the show. Like I don't have many stories about George other than he was always just really nice to say hey and talk to. He was he never carried himself like he was a star. He was just George. And it was awesome that way. I mean, for me, the only story I can remember with George Reed was I took my son, Dylan, at the time to an autograph signing. 
and it was lined up as it always was whenever George was was signing anything. And he still stopped. He took he took Dylan, put him up on his knee, and sat there and had a conversation with this. The kid was three years old. He didn't understand football. He just knew he liked the writers. He liked George Reed. I because dad told him that George Reed was awesome. There was no he had no reason to sit and spend several minutes with a huge line out the door, but he did. And that to me kind of you know that that sat with me for a while, just thinking how this guy would would do that with everybody. It didn't matter who you are or where you came from. If you stopped talk, to talk to him, you were the center of his attention for that entire conversation. And you just again, you just don't see that anymore. He, it's it's hard to really explain. And I said it was kind of fitting that of all games, we're going to get the chance to honor him. It's at the one that's already dubbed Legends Night. Um, we'll talk about that later in the, in the show when we talk about uh, the game against Hamilton itself and what the team is going to do to honor him. Um, but it is kind of fitting in a way that that we get to properly honor him and, and give him one last standing ovation because that place is going to go crazy uh, after uh, the ceremony that they do for him. Um, Legends night, and there's no bigger legend in Saskatchewan than George Reed. Uh, George Reed, 83, passing away this past Sunday. Um, just sad, but you're starting to see all the all the memories come out of people sharing their stories, and and it's all good stuff. And that's, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Like that's that's how you want to celebrate someone. So it's going to be a celebration um, on Saturday. Um, not just the 2013 team at, at halftime, but George Reed throughout the game, pregame and, and then throughout the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the team does on Saturday. Um, it's just sad. It's just sad. And I, I don't really know what else, what else to say about that. Rest easy, George. Uh, so we will talk uh, football here. Won't get too. I mean, I have some thoughts on this this last game. Uh, Riders losing in BC, thirty three twenty six. I really thought they were going to do it. I really did. I picked them last week outright. I felt kind of good about that in the second quarter, even though they were getting badly outplayed. Um, but they were in it, and that's just that's what you want as a as a road team is to be in it. And then it just collapsed in the second half. The defense I thought played pretty well. Um, in the first half, I know they were getting run all over, um, but it was, it was that it felt like a Richie Hall defense. It was a bend, but don't break um, to me. And if they can do that against, you know, the most explosive team in the CFL, uh, like the BC lions and still be in it to me, that that's a good thing. Um, but they just collapsed in the second and the, uh, at the end of the second quarter and in the third quarter. And it was realistically, it was a 33 to, uh 11 game because, yet again again two late touchdowns getting an onside kick and if they I can mean, do that if we're only down by a score or two that'd be great they but... should do that to start the game like well they did remember it was awesome but like get two touchdowns in the first minute please oh no they, they, they wouldn't do that they, <laughs> they, they can't do that but just play with that kind of urgency for the first 58 and a half minutes that's all i want to see it's the second straight week where the score has absolutely flattered the flattered the riders 
and it's because of those two late touchdowns. But you can pinpoint the exact moment where, uh, like, uh, like from The Simpsons, where Ralph's heart heart breaks. It was the end of the second half. They finally get in the end zone. It's getting close, and then we give up a, a touchdown in forty seconds to to blow it back open and and go down into the into the half, losing again. This team can't seem to figure out how to close out a half unless they're down by three scores. And that's, that's a major concern because they, we've shown time and time again, this is not a team that can come out well in the second half. They aren't making adjustments. They need that lead in the first half and they're not getting it. At the beginning of the game, when they were holding BC to touch, uh, sorry, to field goals, I'm like, okay, they've kind of figured it out. We can come back like a touchdown and we're back in it. Not a big deal. But yeah, once again, it's like, okay, we're almost a half. You know, we can let up on the gas a bit. Next thing you know, BC's in the end zone and they're, they're in scramble mode. Like, there's was some, like, Nick Marshall. He's oh. out. He's got to be gone. He's got to be gone. Like, he's got, he's got to be have his bag packed already because uh, he doesn't care anymore. And I don't know if that's because he just wants to leave or he's just doesn't care. Because I, I don't understand this guy. He's not trying anymore. All right. So this is for, for Jeremy Flett, uh, who uh, commented on Facebook when I did my morning after uh, article. Um, he said, not one mention of Marshall and his zero effort that he's been putting out for five games now. His coverage is horrible and his one tackle attempt was laughable. Uh, but his best performance is looking for an opposing player to intentionally be blocked out by so he doesn't have to attempt a tackle. He's not playing and he's leaving 11 guys on defense to cover 12. Um, he's not wrong. Right. And, and I purposely left him out because I didn't want to share all my thoughts in that article. I wanted to save some for the show this week. And the last couple of years, we do this every year is we talk about which veterans might be on their, a surprise cut in training camp or who wouldn't you bring back or something like that. We always talk about that uh, at least once a year. And we've always said, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on from Nick Marshall. And then he has huge games. Um, and then he has absolute stinkers. But it's the lack of effort. That's the part that bothers me, is this game just showed that he just he is tuned out. And I don't know why, um, but that's what it seems. And that's the part that frustrates me, is, I mean... Next year, I probably wouldn't bring him back. And I don't think Nick there's Marshall, any like, second-guessing that on my end. Well, like, like we said for years now, there's two Nick Marshalls. There's Nick Marshall and Nick Marshall. <laughs> Simpsons reference. Got it in. That's right. Yeah. So, like, I was nodding and shaking my head. Like, Nick, he's so hot and cold. It's, it's ridiculous. But it's lately, and that's just because... He was trying, but would jump a ball too soon or a guy would get behind him and he's just step, just a step too slow. The lack of effort in the last couple of games, that play against Geno Lewis in that Edmonton game, I was like cursing very loudly up in the ball in, in the box seats where I usually keep it to myself because that was the worst effort I've ever seen in my life because he didn't even try. Gino Lewis beat him and he just stopped and waited for someone else to run Gino out of, out of bounds. And, and they keep on putting him out there. 
they have to see that on film. They, all their defensive backs are hurt. I don't know who else they're going to put out there. Something, something. They they're putting Moncrief out there in coverage, and he's brutal. Like there has to be somebody with a heartbeat that's actually going to try. Honestly, the way Nick Marshall's been playing lately, the heartbeat might not be necessary. It's you could you could put up with his the boomer bust plays when there was effort there. And you loved it because you knew there was a good chance he would make up for his mistakes with a big play at the end of the game. And he did it several times this year. But throughout this losing streak, it's just been bust. And it's been bust mostly from from what it looks like from our vantage point. A lack of effort. And that's that's the cause for concern. It's not so much the mistakes. We've seen them time and time again. It's the complete and utter disregard for the play that's happening in front of them that has has got Ryder Nation concerned, and it should. Teams used to not throw at him for a reason because, yeah, he might give up the big play, but there's a good chance he was intercepting the ball, flipping flipping the game. They aren't scared of him anymore. They are going right at him and it is showing and he is frustrated and he's not trying and it is bad. And Dickie keeps on rolling him out there (laughs) and it's only going to get worse because teams are picking up on it. Just throw your speed guy at Nick Marshall. That's, that's all you really have to do. And you get a pretty big play. Um, Greg, you mentioned Derek Moncrief being back there. Uh, at playing halfback last week and was brutal. Um, is it time to talk about Derek Moncrief? Um, because even playing Sam this year and even playing safety, I feel like he's being played out of place. Um, the further away he is from the line of scrimmage, the worse he gets. He was bad. He's he's not the old Derek Moncrief anymore. And he plays his best when he's near the line of scrimmage. If you can keep him somewhere around there and play in that short zone, because this team plays a lot of zone defense, if you can keep him somewhere up near the line of scrimmage, he's going to make plays. But they have him back so far and covering guys that are just way faster than him. He doesn't have that mobility anymore. He's not that fast anymore. He has lost that step. I still think he can be a good player, but he's not what he used to be. I mean, obviously it's too late in the year. You're not going to just make a change right now. But maybe for next year, is it time to move on from Derek Moncrief as well? No question in my mind, honestly. Given given how he's performed over the last few weeks, I think it's time. And I was, I was one of those that was super excited he was coming back. And that excitement has waned week by week by week by week. And it's it's a a problem across the entire defense, but you can see certain players that have aged out that are starting to get to that Wally Buono era where you cut them a year too soon instead of a year too late. And it feels like we're at that too late stage. I, They're playing Derek Moncrief, like Derek Moncrief from five years ago. But what, yet again, it just seems like this coaching staff just either doesn't have the horses or doesn't have the ability to go, hey, you lost a step. We need to put you in a different position. And they're just setting guys up for failure. You you look at it with Moncrief. Uh, you look at it with Marshall right now. Our offensive line, Brandon Council, 
Like there, there's legit people in positions that they shouldn't be in. Did Brandon Council make the flight back to Regina? Because I sure hope they left him out in Vancouver. He they, they should have pushed him in the awful. ocean. He pushed him awful. in the ocean. <laughs> and with Lofton hurt and missing the first game of, or first day of practice this week, they'll roll Brandon Council out again, and he's going to be bad again this week. Uh, Run four Canadians on that line. Put Furlan out tackle. Yeah, put Furlan out there. Put Blake out there. It doesn't matter. You you have you you don't need to keep on rolling council out there. And then you can take tights off as a starter. Like it's just ridiculous. All right, guys, you have to choose one. Brandon Brandon Council or Natai Rogers. Go. Pylon. Wow. Charles Thomas. <laughs> there we go. Jeez. Really? Out of the two, I oh man. Is Dan an option? I would just run four. four. Yeah, I was gonna say run four offensive linemen, throw an extra tight end. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Albert Awachi. Put him up there. <laughs> Put him closer to the line. Charles De Beer. These are seven. There we go. Charles De Beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there were bright spots in this game, and I do want to focus on a few of those. One being KSB, uh, Kean Schaefer Baker, um, getting the touchdown, uh, or they made him the focal point. Sorry, that was the touchdown was last week. Um, but they made him the focal point of this offense, having a hundred plus yard game. Um, and when they threw him the ball, they moved the ball quite well. And I just, he needs to be the number one guy. I mean, Tevin Jones has kind of lost that, he's gotten complacent, I think. Um, it just seems like something's in his mind right now with Tevin Jones, where he's just not performing at the level he was earlier this year. Um, Kevin Shaw? Yeah. Um, man, Kenny Shaw was terrible. Um, <laughs> well, frying pan hands. Yeah. Tevin Jones, he's... M- might yeah. be a reason to bring Win- Winicky off the one game. Awesome. I mean, honestly, you might have to at this point. Um, Bain's been kind of hit and miss the last few... Uh, weeks. MLS has been great. Um, their best players on offense are their Canadians. Um, but KSB. Yeah, Tevin, Tevin Jones just, yeah, everything's bouncing off him. Like that one literally rolled down his shoulders. Looked like he was doing like the Harlem Globetrotter, like basketball <laughs> down down the shoulder trick. Like I, at, at some point, they really need to somehow take those interceptions away from quarterbacks that leg- like hit a receiver that should make the catch. Yeah, because at that point, it's not on the quarterback. Like he did his job. Just because Tevin Jones is out there with two cast iron skillets for hands. I that's not that's not Delagala's fault. Remember, Um, like six, six, seven weeks ago when we were looking at the top of the stats and we saw Tevin Jones, Emilis and Bain, and we were all excited that we were going to have, you know, 3000 yard receivers. They were all lighting it up. I mean, there is still a chance they might hit that thousand yard mark because they're all right around that eight between eight and eight fifty, I think. So they might get there, but they've all kind of fallen off over the last, I don't know, five games, which feels awfully like uh, a coincidence with their, their current record. Which is funny because we haven't really been complaining about the offense lately. Um, it's just, it's been the defense being so bad. That's kind of overshadowed it, but I don't think the offense is the problem. It's, it's just at certain times, 
the offense just can't get it going, but then they have a really good drive and, and then they score two touchdowns in the last minute. Um, yeah. should like tell said, the other team to play prevent defense for the rest of <laughs> the rest of the season. Our odds are a lot better there. Like I've said several times in the past couple of weeks, this team finds new and creative ways to disappoint me. And Tevin Jones, like I, I was pumping this guy's tires. He's a very good receiver, yep. but yet again, he's one of those players. that just seems something is not working right now. And he's had some very bad, not just drop. It's one thing to drop the ball. It's another to like tip the ball up to the other team. Like he's seemed to be doing constantly right now. Um, but some other bright spots that we saw, uh, see, uh, Jareth Stearns having his first hundred yard game in the CFL, um, CJ Revis, I thought played really well. Um, Great game. that, I mean, that was, that's the, the Sam linebacker position that Derek Moncrief, um, made famous and, and was so damn good at, you know, five, six years ago, getting, rushing the quarterback, being around the line of scrimmage. That was Revis in this game. And that's where I think. Moncrief should go back to, but I mean, if Revis is going to put out a stat line like that, I mean, you keep him there, obviously. Um, no, no matter how this season goes, if all that comes from it is we found CJ Revis for the next few years, I consider that a win because he's been the star of that defense for weeks now. CJ Revis and a healthy Roland Milligan on that defense next year. And Amari Henderson. And Amari Henderson. Like, this this team has some guys that can play, and you can't always blame injuries. But that defense was a lot better with Roland Milligan back there. I there, it's just yeah. Like we we've got pieces, and this is why I keep on telling people O'Day isn't going anywhere. He's found some good pieces, so just get off fire the Jeremy O'Day bandwagon. It ain't happening. Um, Albright had another good game on the defensive uh, line. I thought the the run defense as a whole was uh, a hell of a lot better than it has been. They weren't giving up 200 plus yards to uh, take one Mizell. So that was, that was a bonus. Um, I think they held him to. Yeah. Anyone who took Steve's suggestion for Mizell in fantasy last week, got <laughs> severely disappointed. I'm sorry. Better than they have been is an incredibly low bar. That's like calling us the top Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan podcast seven years ago when we were it. <laughs> yeah, how many are there now? <laughs> it's technically accurate, but I mean, they were giving up 250 yards a game. Anything is better than that. Hey, technically um, correct is the best uh, former correct. <laughs> yep. Um, Thomas Bertrand Houdon. Um, He's a player. I like him so much. Two touchdowns, his first two of his career. And I've been wanting him to get more touches on offense. Um, just here and there, not saying he's going to be a, you know, a 10, 15, um, touch per game player. Um, but give him the odd one and put him in, in that Chris Zarka role in the goal line and let him just power through this guy's proved it on special teams. He's willing to go out there and just truck people. And that, that effort, I mean, coaches see it. I see it. I think we all see it. This guy deserves a bit of a chance here to do something and, and, it was in garbage time, obviously, but I would like to see that more during the game when it, when it's a close game. He, he's, we can see more of those. Scared, he's not, he's not scared to get physical as proven by him on both sides of special teams. He, he will lay a licking both when he's carrying the ball and when he's yeah. not. 
So, yeah, they they found themselves a gamer, and as a pure rookie, like I can't wait to see what his career becomes. I'd love to see more carries throughout the game, but specifically inside the five yard line, like you said, that that Chris Zarka role. All he needs to do is put his head down and run through people. That's what he did against BC, and it worked. Give me more of that. The guy just wants to go out there and hit people. Let him do it. I love when he gets to return the a kickoff because he's just unlike guys that go you know side to side and try and break it for speed. He's going up through the middle, head down, and if you're in his way, I'm sorry, you're going to get hit. Give me more of that. That's fun to watch. That's the football we need to see. That's that smash mouth football of of the George Reed era that we need to see more of. Well, that's the that that's the put your hard hat on and just and grab your lunch pail and and go to work. And th- those are the type of guys that I've always loved in football. That's why I love Rob Bag. Uh, he did a lot of blocking in his career, uh, but he always went out and just did what was asked of him. And if I mean that's what we're getting out of Bertrand Houdon right now, and that should get him more touches um, and get him the ball a little bit more. And I love seeing stuff like that. That's the kind of that's the kind of guy I want on on my team going forward. Um, and another one gutting a, a gutsy performance, Brett Lother, um, playing through Oof. a definite shoulder, elbow, whatever Chest. injury. He was uh, took a pretty good shot with the knee, uh, make trying to make the tackle there. Um, but gutting it out and, and finishing the rest of that game when he was clearly not okay. Um, which is weird though, because they didn't, when the, the riders announced their day one um, injury report, he wasn't on it. So that was a little bit interesting to me that we didn't get any kind of update on that uh, from the team there, but <laughs> maybe they're going back to the previous regime where all he was doing was in the end zone was playing bocce ball with the footballs. Wasn't actually practicing. So they don't know if he's hurt or not. I don't know. Watching him and Bartell in practice, that was fun. <laughs> but yeah, you could tell he was in immediate pain on that one kick because just and he grabbed his shoulder, chest, whatever it was, it wasn't good. But this, I remember a few weeks ago when it was, I think it was, was it, it was the NFL game that kicker that kind of did the old, it was like, it looked like Junior Murtile actually. You just kind of waved his hands at the guy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't blame him. He's a kicker. They, they, not everyone is Josh Bartell. Like <laughs> Bar- Bartell is out there to kill somebody. Jamie Borum. Well, yeah, that too. Jamie Borum would kill a guy. <laughs> but yeah, like Lothar should try to run a guy out of bounds. He shouldn't actually be going for a tackle like that. But anyway, the Riders losing 33-26, fourth straight loss, dropping their record to 6-9. and nine. Uh, I, I know it's still not a must-win against Hamilton because that must-win game is against the Stampeders the week following, but this is more and more each and every passing minute to me a must-win game against Hamilton. Um, they, they need some confidence going right now. They just... They got nothing in the tank in terms of confidence. They they have to find something. This once again, not actually we are approaching must win because Calgary still has a shot. Like if the Riders lose out, like they this should be a game they win. Calgary should be a game they win. 
and yeah, like they, and then the Argos, who knows what's going to show up. Like they, they need to win one of these games. The game against Calgary, they absolutely have to win, but it'd be very nice if they won this one. It would probably take a lot of the pressure off. How sad is it that there's a four and 11 football team right now with a legitimate shot at a playoff spot? If, if Calgary manages to somehow sneak into the playoffs with their first garbage year in forever, I'm done. I will never again celebrate their misfortunes because it's clear they will never have it. Like I could just see them going six and or six and twelve and somehow sneaking into the playoffs and winning the Grey Cup, and all of us sitting there going, "This is garbage. <laughs> this is BS." Um, Ottawa can still get in the final playoff spot in the West there too, so the crossover to there isn't quite over just yet. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about standing and stuff a little bit later on. Um, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And last week it was the NFL announcing their Super Bowl halftime show with Usher. Yeah. And I don't care. I, I was excited for this, uh, for Usher. I'm way more excited about the Grey Cup halftime show, and it's the first time I can say that in a long time. Them announcing Green Day to be the halftime show, just perfect. To how, like, do, how, how does Hamilton get Carrie Underwood and Green Day, and we got half of Florida Georgia Line? And two other guys I've never heard of before. And the guy that's in all the commercials for the CFL, and yeah, another guy. Well, you see, they had somebody else lined up and they they canceled yep. last minute and the, the CFL went, oh, crap, who can we get? And apparently the answer to that is half of your half Florida, of Florida Georgia, Georgia line. line. Yeah. Um, my my C- favorite part about this announcement, though, was that they did it on the last day of September. And there's nothing oh, yeah. more Green Day than announcing it when September ends. Come on. What, was that planned? Did they do that on purpose? Oh, of course See, they my, did. My, my, my heart of heart hopes this is just a giant troll to Bell and they play Good Riddance. <laughs> and that's a very specific radio-related joke that very few yeah. people are going to get. Yeah. There's like six people giggling listening to this right now, and the rest of them are going, huh? huh? Three, three of them giggling at us. <laughs> um, but the CFL absolutely nailed this. And it's not just because... I grew up a Green Day fan, and that was right, you know, in the in the mid to late '90s uh, when Dookie came out in '94, and we're approaching 30 years uh, the anniversary of that album. But um, younger audiences are listening to Green Day right now with their last album. Um, generations older than one generation older than us listen to us blasting that music. They know who it is. My mom says she's excited for this. I don't think I could, like, I don't think she knows a Green Day song. If I were to ask her, mom, tell me a a Green Day song. I don't think she can name one, but she said she's excited for this. Probably because she heard me blasting Green Day for hours on end (laughs) as a kid. Um, In terms of marketing it and, and who they're trying to market to and get eyes on the league, they nailed it. They hit every. I have not seen a single comment saying "who" or "nah, I don't care." I haven't seen that with this. The, the worst I've seen is a one. Green is a one-hit wonder, and I'm like, "What? Okay, what? 
You, you didn't see that one because I think no. me and Steve commented on this guy. Oh no! Yeah, uh, that had, that had hit. to have been a troll. You had to be a troll. It, it had to be a troll because he also said their best song was Canadian Idiot. So I mean, oh, but yeah, he they're... said he said Weird Al made them famous. I was like, mm, no, uh, that was okay. that was a troll. At that, okay. I missed that point. Okay, at that point, he's obviously trolling. Uh, Honestly, but they are. This is, this is the best. Like we've been hard on the CFL and their marketing team for. How long have we been on this show? Seven years? Yeah, seven years. Oh my god! Right, like we've been we've been harsh on them over the years for their some of their mistakes in marketing. This was not one of them. This was the best. I'm I'm hard pressed to pick a better name that is still within their financial constraints than Green Day. Like you're not going to get your big name. You're not going to get a Taylor Swift to come perform the the CFL halftime show. But you, you I don't know exactly. Ryan Reynolds is a big fan. He was just with her. <laughs> yeah. in, uh... Ryan Reynolds is a big C, a big uh, BC Lions fan. Um, he was with her at the last Sunday Night Football game. Travis yeah, Kelsey's good friends with Zach Caleros. Uh, they oh, went to Cincinnati we together. So I mean, there, there's that connection. We could probably get Taylor Swift here. We really could. We can get T Swizzle. We can get T Swizzle. Let's do it with her cr- with her that, chicken that, fingers and crunch. We can do it. That might be the only name that could top Green Day right now. Because that this just they killed it. The, the thing is, I remember last year when everyone and they were taking forever to announce it, and everyone had their red pieces of string and tacks on the wall, looking at bands touring in the area, <laughs> and like Offspring had that like off date. Hey, they they could play. They, they're in the area. Like uh, like Winnipeg to Regina is not that far. I I was I le- was legit hoping for the Offspring because that is in oh, my wheelhouse. They Green put on Day's such a good wheelhouse. show. Exactly. Like I, I, I am. Is it? Oh, I feel dirty. I, 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 I am jealous of Hamilton. Yes. Oh, this, I hate that. Yes. This feels answer. bad. This, this feels bad. This, this, this hurts. I hate that this is the Grey Cup that I have to miss, because I've always wanted to see Green Bay, Green, Green Bay, Green, Green Day Bay. Live. Yeah. Well, you did want to see Green Bay live too. I also want to see them, but I've seen them before. Like. They are they are top five on my bucket list for musicians I'd love to see perform, and when they announced that, I died a little inside. I'm happy for the CFL, but I hate it for everybody that gets to go and not me. Yeah, but guaranteed they start with American Idiot, right? Like they're hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Odds that they play Longview. As much as I would love it, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I don't see it happening either. I love that song though. I, like I'm, I'm trying to like think what their playlist would be. Hitching a ride. Um, Hitching a ride. They'll probably. They have, ain't playing basket case. <laughs> no, they won't play basket case. They might have brain stew, maybe. Brain. Um, I love brain stew. But okay, here's the weird thing about brain stew. I like the Godzilla soundtrack version better. That song is better with Godzilla. I like the Godzilla the soundtrack. That is the that is the best version of brain stew. It legit is. If I hear brain stew without Godzilla in it. I don't listen to it. I have to listen to that now. I don't think I've heard it. Like that Godzilla I've heard, I've heard Brains too, really but I don't, I don't think I've heard the Godzilla version. Like we're talking yeah, that the Godzilla, Godzilla soundtrack is underrated. Uh, the Come With Me by uh, Puff Daddy. P. Diddy. Yes. Yeah, Puff Daddy. Jamiroquai was in there. Yeah. Uh, good soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Uh, no Shelter Anyways. by Rage Against Machine. Okay. We got to go back. Okay. Back to Green Day. Anyway. <laughs> Brains too. Great song. Better with Godzilla in it. All right. Um, 
but yeah, I'm looking for just play just play the first ten tracks from Dookie. That's all I want to see. That'd be awesome. Play the hidden um, track on your way out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I'm excited. That's a great announcement by the CFL. They did it right, announcing it on September 30th. Um, everything they did was was right. Finally, a big they deserve finally some props. a big get. Finally, a big get. That's not a Canadian artist. Finally, not a country artist. What's a lot? I think was well, the last time they, I guess, the Arkells or sorry, Arkells in Hamilton, which also was a good show. Awesome. And I would have gladly watched them again. But yeah, everywhere else, it's always it's been a country act since Alicia Cara. So I'm glad they went this route. It, they haven't had a band like this in a very very long time. Yep. All right, well, looking elsewhere around the CFL as we do here in the odds and end zones, I want to go to Micah Awe with the Stamps, uh, given his fourth max fine of the season for a high hit. Fourth max fine of the season. When do you suspend him? Um, I know, Steve, you were having Never. a bit of a disagreement with uh, Derek Dennis on, uh, on X about this, and I, I get... Derek yeah. Dennis's point, uh, <laughs> talking about how um, he plays hard, and and you want a guy like that, but he's crossing the line multiple times, and he's not learning from it. I can see once, maybe twice, but then it's got to get reined in. Um, if they're not suspending I, him now, they never will. I respect the heck out of Derek Dennis. And usually I tend to agree with most of what he says, because he's a guy that's been in there. He's been in the trenches. He understands what it takes that we don't see watching live. You need guys like that, that play on the edge, like a Micah always. And I would love him on our team. Don't get me wrong. Guy plays on the edge, but when you take four suspensions or four max fine hits in a single season, and this last one to me was arguably the worst. He went in head first, full on spear. There was no intention to wrap the guy up. He was just going Ralph Wiggum through the window. That's all he was doing. See if we can get how many uh, Simpsons yeah, references we can rock out yeah. in one episode. But I understand you need, to, he plays on that edge and he plays rough and he plays hard. But when you have dozens of other guys who play hard too, doing it within the rules, you got to set an example of the guy who's not. And the part I had an issue with the most was he was sitting there talking about how if the league really cared about player safety, they would do these other things. And he was talking about the, the post-career health insurance and all. And I agree with that. But that doesn't mean that any of these rules that they're putting in right now aren't for player safety. There's no other reason. Fans would love if guys would just go head first and knock each other around. Those hard hits, that's, that's what we live for. That's... That's the, the TSN highlight of the night type stuff. But that's not the stuff that we want to see if we want guys to have post-football live. And this, this idea that you can play over the edge like that and it's fine because he just hits hard is BS to me. And sorry, this is the one time I will not agree with Derek Dennis. He's, he's flat out wrong to me. And what, Derek is right, though. If, 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 but it's not even the league that if, if they cared more about the players, that, that is a CFLPA issue that needs to be agreed upon in the contracts that the PA needs to fight for. However, 
Alway going in head down, not a good look. And yes, the game is a lot faster, ground level, when you're there, everything happens in a split second. I get it. Four times in a season, at that point, it's not an accident. It's on, It's and it's not necessarily on purpose, but it's definitely a habit that he needs to get out of. You cannot have a guy going in there, head down, not eyes up, every time because someone is going to get carted off because of it, or could end a career. Either I, his or the guy he goes into. I I have to say. Micah Alway is playing like the guy everybody thinks Simone Lawrence is. Because all you hear about... Sorry, yes. Specifically Ryder Nation. Because you look at a guy like him, (laughs) he's been fined, what, once and suspended once in his career over thousands or four-digit numbers of tackles. We're talking about one season. And you don't hear anything about Alway as soon as that week is done. As soon as they find him... There was complaints for a couple of hours and then everybody moved on again. He's not looked at as a dirty player, but when you take when you get fined four times in a single season, you're playing dirty. Period. Whether intentional or otherwise, you are playing over that line and you need to bring it in. And the fact that the CFL won't suspend him is honestly it's an embarrassment to me. But I said that one again, good it, thing about the CFL. Now it's back to the. You know. but, but yet again, though, it's a toothlessness of the punishment system because they know if they suspend him for more than a game, he is going to appeal it. He'll go, go down to a game. Sometimes it's just easier to go for the fine and just move on because it's but what half sus- a game check. So they got two, they got, they got two for full the game. game checks. Then suspend him for one game. He'll appeal it. I mean, and that's fine. Let him appeal it, but at least start the process. Because if you just just keep going, ah, fine him, ah, fine him, it's fine. We want to see it stick, so just fine it. No, suspend the guy once, set an example, and say you cannot hit like this anymore. You have to start with that precedent somewhere with him. And now, if that hit wasn't suspendable, what's he going to do that will be? Because that was one of the worst hits I've seen in a while. Like where where is the line that if not that hit like he torpedoed in there his arms weren't anywhere out looking for a tackle he was going head first and health be damned i stand by i i stand by my claim if you start taking away the pads from the players and make them hit like it's rugby they will stop that garbage no more hell like thinking they're bulletproof and doesn't nothing matters they're no no longer going to turn themselves into human projectiles they will learn how to tackle. Except Nick Marshall. Except Nick Marshall. <laughs> um, I was looking for a way to segue out of this, and there was really no good way. Uh, but, Greg, you did say toothlessness um, a minute ago, and that takes me over to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, Doug Brown. And Doug Brown. Um, <laughs> who I like Doug Brown. I think he's great. Um, but calling Ryan Dinwiddie a chicken <clears throat> um, for not playing Chad Kelly – and then the Bombers almost losing to Toronto. Yeah, the scoreboard says they won by, what was it, 10 points? Um, that was not a 10-point game. Um, it was not. And especially when... Uh, because he um, threw, tried to throw in the third stringer yeah, for no Duke, reason. Yeah, didn't play. 
uh, the full game. And if he did, because he came back at the end of the game, if he would have played the whole thing, Toronto might have won that game. How embarrassing would that have been for Winnipeg for talking all this crap about how Chad Kelly's afraid of them and blah, blah, blah. For one, I think it's great that Chad Kelly didn't play this game. If I'm the Argos, if I'm Ryan Dinwiddie, I know that the next time I'm seeing the Bombers is probably in the Grey Cup. Why would I give them anything? Why would I give them any film of my starting quarterback? And I'm playing a very vanilla offense right now. I'm playing a preseason offense if I'm Toronto. You're just keeping things going. You're just making sure nobody gets hurt. And you're you're rotating your rest. That's what you're doing right now if you're Toronto. When you have first place locked up. I am not giving the Bombers anything. Literally not one play that they can use. Not one formation that they see that on film that they can bring into the game and be like, I know that play. I know that play. I'm not giving them anything. So that to me, that's great coaching from Ryan Dinwiddie and Doug Brown calling him out like that. That was, that was just childish. And the, I, I wanted mean, uh, okay, the Argos uh, you, win you, so you, bad because of that. Is, is Doug Brown new to you? Cause he ends up sticking his giant foot into his giant mouth several times. I told you I love him. I really do. I, I understand. He is great. He's entertaining. I get that. His weird rivalry with Dave, of all things, cracks me up. However, the Bombers did this last year. They rested people. If Doug Brown wants to be mad about what Toronto's doing, blame the CFL for their terrible schedule and having all the Argos by weeks very early in the season the argos earned to get their own bye weeks because no one could beat them blame the rest of the teams in the league this has nothing to do with, with the argos being chicken this is them being smart keeping their guys healthy the the irony in doug brown sitting there yapping this year while remaining silent for several years in a row as caleros and others sat is hilarious to me you see this time and time again when player teams clinch playoff spots i mean we just went through the end of the the major league baseball regular season the jays basically put out their triple a team for the last game because they clinched a spot were they chicken for not showing tampa their whole roster like that's that's how sports works when you clinch a spot and you cannot better your spot you start looking at the playoffs you start looking at rest and getting your guys healthy for the games that matter. A random game against a Western opponent means nothing. They, If they go in there with Cameron Dukes, a quarterback, and they win that football game, it matters to them because, look, we beat you with our backup. If they lose, you you beat our backup. Like, there's no, there is, it is a win-win scenario for the Toronto Argonauts. Why would they risk the the health of their quarterback when they don't need to? And you're going to see this constantly over the next few weeks as they rotate guys in and out and all power to them. They've earned that. And anybody calling them out for it is, I won't use bad terms, Doug not Brown. smart in this regard. <laughs> like there's just Doug no, Brown. yeah, it's, it makes sense. Um. Keeping out East, I want to bring up two things, two plays, um, both kicking-wise, out of the Montreal-Ottawa game. And I want to start with the uh, 
everyone wants to talk about it. We'll get to there. But I just want to give props to Montreal's punter for kicking the ball out of the hands of the Ottawa returner while the punter was falling backwards on a punt return. Um, very heads up play to just stick his foot up and kick the ball loose, causing a fumble and getting Montreal the ball back. Nobody's talking about that play. It was a brilliant nope. play and very within the rules. You can absolutely kick at the ball. Um, great play from that. Oddball Canadian rules for the win this week. Legit, but that yes. game was about oddball Canadian rules. Second and you'd love and to see those. Those are the things that get you talked about Appar- elsewhere. Apparently you don't. Because there's a bunch of people oh. in there going, this is where the CFL is a clown show. Okay, so let's set the stage. It's second and 18 for Montreal. They swing the pass out. Uh, Fajardo passes it to uh, Antwi, their running back. He gets to within a yard of the line of scrimmage, drops the ball, kicks it just a touch, so the ball goes past the line of scrimmage and falls on it. Technically, that is an onside punt recovered past the line of scrimmage, which means it's a first down. So, yeah, it's kind of a dumb way, weird way, only in Canada way to get a first down, but it is a rule and it's perfectly legal and it was brilliant. Absolutely. That's knowing the rule book. That's knowing the rule book. That's Jason Moss doing great coaching is what that is. And all I'm seeing right now is, okay, the discussion is there. Should this be outlawed? in the in the cfl like they're talking about with the no the, the tush cover push the or the bloody rubberly the running back Philadelphia. yeah exactly i love it it's great people it's what's funny to me is that the hardcore cfl traditionalists who love the rouge who love you know the, the return game and all the the odd rules and, and whatever we have in the cfl absolutely hate this i love this this is a great great thing for the league and everybody in the states social media accounts we're all over this i love the sickos committee i <laughs> they they are probably doing more for the cfl this year in the states than the, the cfl is yeah because like, the sickos committee has everybody's been, like doing it. sickos alert it's amazing so do you guys keep this rule in place yeah 100 absolutely I love Why quacky stuff. You give me that. You give me the punt, the the punt back and forth. All that stuff is fun. You never, you don't see it often enough for it to matter and to really be a major issue. But when it happens, it's delightful. Give me more of it. I don't remember the last time we saw one of those little dribble punts. It's been a long time. It's been super long, but it, it's a rule on, and that, that's what I love about it. it's a rule on the books. That everyone kind of is like, oh yeah, that's a rule in the CFL. Because actually, it's it's not in the CJFL. It's got to go ten yards in the CJFL. Won't work there. But in the in the CFL, that is a rule. It crosses the line in a scrimmage. Go. So, yeah, all these guys that are calling it a clown show and it needs to go, and it shows the CFL's bush league. And the worst part is, I'm seeing it from people that are supposed to be. Not voice. What's the word I'm looking for? At no. Okay. There, there's advocates. a word I'm looking for. It's not. It's not voice, and I wouldn't even say they're an advocate of a team. But they're out there calling it garbage. No, it's one of the things that makes the CFL special. If you can't embrace it, maybe you're in the wrong position. Because the CFL, if you don't, if you can't embrace this rule, you may as well say go to four downs. Because who cares? 
this is what makes the CFL special and fun is rules like this. My, my NFL coach is Bill Belichick. He is, he has found ways and weird, obscure rules and twisted them in every way in his, in his way he can, because that's what you do. A good coach does that. Jason Moss figured out a rule on a very bad down, down and yard situation. And Antwi played it perfectly because the defense did not pick up the running back because they were too busy playing deep. That is great coaching. I can't do we to... see this again, Nick, this year? Now that somebody has unearthed no. that play again, do you think you see it no. again? You don't think so? Not a chance. No. Not a chance. No. Because it feels like one of those rules that, that people just forgot about. But on a second yeah, but... and 25 or a second and 20, you know, you're, you're, you got the ball end of the game. You need one first down to win it, to, to ice the game. I, I could see it happening again. I could no. see a team going. I, yeah. I That's your audible call. That is your audible call. Your, your call in is deep. It's some kind of thing. But if you see that they are playing deep on you, yeah, yeah you audible to it. But maybe that's it. It's not a, it's not a direct call play like it was no, this no. week. No, and there's no question in my mind that that was called in from the start. And they told Antwi, if they give you space, do this. And every single opposing coach right now is working on this in practice and in game film. Every single coach is saying, you don't play that far off. You don't. Not when it's like somebody who stays on the line of scrimmage. Once he passes the line of scrimmage, um, yeah, sure, give him Run a 10-yard cushion. And But when it's, when it's something like this, they're making sure that they're going to have a linebacker closer up on the play every single one is going to do that coaches will not allow this to happen again not a chance speaking of oddball canadian rules i want i i I kind of forgot to mention this i want to talk about this can i say how much i enjoy that the nfl coaches are losing their minds about miami basically pulling a waggle (laughs) yeah you could put one guy in motion at a time and but they're but they're doing but they're doing it right they they're putting a guy in motion across the line of scrimmage like Tyreek or Waddle across the line, giving him a running start. And there are like Shanahan lost his mind this week, calling it a cheat. It's not a cheat, man. It's, it's basically Chris, what Christian we're used McCaffrey to. Christian is a cheat. Yeah. <laughs> like these American coach, like these, finally the CFL is getting a, a lot of obscure love in the States right now with both like the sickos committee and these motion rules that a guy like uh, not McDaniel's, uh, like, um, what's Miami's coach's name right now? I'm drawing a blank, Mike, uh, Mike Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, it is Daniels. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It, I almost called McDaniel. I almost called Josh McDaniel. I'm like, no, that's not right because the Raiders suck, <laughs> but like, they're using stuff like that that pushes the norm on NFL football, and it's good to see. Like the CFL is a great game that people ignore because oh it's the CFL it's not the NFL no it's not but it's a fun game and it's good to see that other leagues are starting to kind of borrow concepts. I I want to play off that a little bit. You know what the one thing I love and that you can absolutely set your watch to is CFL fans absolutely losing their minds whenever the league is mentioned on an NFL broadcast or on TV or anywhere outside of the CFL. Oh my God, Troy Aikman said the word CFL. Like the, 
amount of hoopla over this is hilarious to me every time. It's not a new thing anymore. It happens regularly. The C- people talk about the CFL. You don't need to party every time somebody mentions the league. Well, that look, in look. itself almost makes it feel like we don't deserve it. And that brings us back to that Bush League thing. Don't do that. Expect it. Well, Steve, this but also keep here. doing it. <laughs> This happened to your favorite player just last year when Chris Strevler uh, got called out by Boomer Esiason for being an awful quarterback. Okay, you know what I really miss about the NFL, though? I'll give it a Steve a break. We'll, we'll get up the Strevler talk. You know what I miss? John Ryan saying University of Regina and everyone mis- misunderstanding what he said. Uh, excuse me, what did he say? Yeah. And uh, the social media going nuts, going, what, what, what? University of what? I miss those days. No, nothing else, Steve. No. You're mad at me no. now that I mentioned Chris yeah. Traveler. I give you guys pumpkin spice, and you won't <laughs> let this die. Nope. Just, just wait nope. for that surprise interview where he's just going to pop up on the screen. Oh man, I'll pop out of this interview or this show so fast. <laughs> Um, I will say exactly three words, and you know what those three words are. Steve, we're, we're, we're a family show. We're a family yeah, show. That's um, why we can never have that interview happen. Something that man. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, CJFL, uh, Greg, you mentioned uh, the punting rule there a little bit. Um, Regina Thunder versus Edmonton Huskies this Sunday. We'll have a pair of tickets to give away to that. Uh, stick around uh, on Playoff the implications. Yeah, um, we'll do a, we'll do a, a giveaway on uh, on X and Facebook for a pair of tickets there. So just uh, watch for us uh, on social in the next couple of days for that, for your chance to go see the Thunder and Huskies this upcoming Sunday. Winner of this um, game is probably second place. Well, the Riders and Ticats this upcoming Sunday at five, sorry, Saturday at five. Legends Night. Uh, we talked about uh, honoring George Reed, and um, just to go off a little bit more with what's going to happen there, um, the team says be in your seats ten minutes before game time. So at four fifty, uh, it says to say goodbye and celebrate our greatest running back of all time. Um, they're going to, uh, um, I'm assuming, do a moment of silence. They're going to have a video tribute for sure on there as well to what I would love to see. And I hope they have this on video somewhere is, is after the moment of silence for, for George, if they have a video of him looking at the camera and just saying, go riders, go that place is going to go nuts. That's going to be the loudest that you'll ever hear mosaic stadium. I promise you that. Um, I hope there's something there that, uh, that they have. Um, The one thing, the one thing that I was at the Ronnie goodbye game. And it was it was a night game, and I kind of wish this was a night game so City Hall could be in the background with thirty four in the windows, yeah, like twenty three yeah. was. That was such an awesome touch in the in the in the background. Well, and and this game on October seventh, um, back in the day, October seventh was also dubbed George Reed Day. Um, yep. For his what was that his final final season that they did yep. that. Um, so it's again, just kind of fitting that it, uh, ties in with that. Um, but they're going to have uh, special acknowledgements of George Reed painted in both end zones in the game. 
his initials will be on the 34 yard line on the home side of the field section 34 where george sat um will be lit green in his honor uh players will wear george reed decals on their helmets and on their jerseys uh they'll have remembering 34 shirts and bunny hugs um during pregame um so they'll be uh it'll they'll definitely be uh a lot of george reed and i know there's gonna be a lot of 34s um in that crowd um so that'll be that'll be something to see But what we haven't talked about for this upcoming game and Legends Night, and we were talking about it last week, and of course they announced it, what, the day after we released our show? In accordance it's with the prophecy. Way. Yep. Uh, as they do, they wait to listen to our show because the riders do listen to our show. Um, and then, oh, let's make an announcement now. <laughs> um, Darian Durant will be there in attendance. Um, and they announced a bunch of other players as well. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, like Terrell Mays. I like Terrell Mays. Don't care right now because they, they did the right thing. They did the right thing. They got Darian Durant on board. Doubles will be here. And hopefully there'll be stuff at Party in the Park beforehand with the game so they can do some signings or something because uh, um, you can't have the celebration of the 2013 team going into the plaza without Darian Durant. And they did it. They're doing it right. Having a having him there and I'm sure there's going to be another announcement or two uh, before the, before the game, after the show comes out, Greg, you probably have. Hell, have I, an made idea. It, I made it. Yeah. I made an announcement. No, everyone's ignoring it. Yeah. Uh, Looks yeah. like John chick will be there. Um, and not, I don't think they'll say anything about it. I think they'll just have him show uh, up there. Yeah. He'll, he'll be there with his beard and whatever it is. What it is. Uh like I said, this team finds new and creative ways to disappoint me. But I understand it was an easy decision. It it is what it is. I'm I'm glad doubles is there. I I am so glad that Darian Durant is finally going to be back on that field after well new field after 2013. Um, I'm oh, sorry after he left after he got traded to Montreal. Like it's. He he need this is going to be his third biggest ovation after the 2013 Grey Cup and after taking out after replacing Michael Bishop in the playoff game. <laughs> I'm still so mad about that game in 08. Man, that game peed me off so. Bad. I was I was there. I that that was like my first playoff game in a long time. I missed 2007 because I was on the road, so I was excited to be there for that playoff game. And Michael Bishop, I I hate you till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> But yikes! <laughs> oh, it's that. Come on, that game was bad. At least I didn't flip a table like the de- defense did. But this this game this 2013 honor would not be the same without Darian there. I know I've heard that uh, Weston's got uh, a prior commitment, so he won't be there. I've heard that Rob Bag won't be there. So if it was Foley, if it was Mays, it was these guys. It wouldn't matter without Darian. Like you needed either Bag, G Roy, Weston. I guess Gesloff's going to be there, but yeah, it still wouldn't be the same without Darian. There. Yeah, no. I am the glad end, they found a way to get him there. In the end, it, it didn't matter who else you had. If you didn't have Darian Durant, there was no business celebrating that 2013 team because we do not win the Grey Cup without him going absolutely nuts in that BC game in the fourth third and fourth quarter. 
He put that team on his back. And we've talked about this over and over again. You know, he was that 2013 team. He epitomized everything that was good about that team. And honestly, he was a good part of what made Ryder Nation what it is now. I mean, we have a lot of this current era to thank. To or We have Darian Durant to thank, sorry, for a lot of how this era is right now and the new stadium and everything that goes along with it because the success we had from 2007 through till, till he left allowed us to dream bigger. And I'm just trying to picture how this celebration could have gone if those fences hadn't have been mended and he wasn't here because it would have been wrong. And I don't know. I'd still celebrate it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't feel like it would be a proper celebration without Darian Durant in attendance. And as he should be in that last, if they're doing what they always do with the cars around the stadium, they need to wait till the very end, announce everybody, give fans a minute and then bring in Durant. I realize you don't want to highlight one particular player, but if there's one guy that deserves it, it's it's absolutely him. This is and the I time hate that he never event. he never got event. that chance to to really bask in that glory, you know, post Chris Jones era. He he deserves that. He should never have gone out the way he did. I I don't disagree with the trade and everything that went with it, but he deserves to come back and get that one last deafening cheer that will will happen no matter how many people are in attendance on Saturday. Can I make a suggestion? No. On the cart absolutely well, not. I'm, I'm I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> when when he when he's on the cart, can he throw money out of a bag like he is uh, and say it's the signing bonus that Winnipeg <laughs> gave him. I could oh, really like use the million dollar man right now. <laughs> yeah. Just I love throwing. how angry bombers fans still are about that. You never see Ryder fans talking about Mo Price unless we're making fun of it. No, they're they've they've moved on because now they they switch that to well that got us Adam Big Hill. But I saw when they announced this, there was a guy that was going off about how he's a thief and he stole from the the Bombers. No, yeah, oh, he didn't. I did see that. Too. He got paid to sign a contract. That was the extent of his. That's all he had to duties do. to get that seventy thousand dollars. Was it a little gross if if he had full intentions of never playing there? Sure. I hope every player Get does that money. Get, Get that money. Paid. You deserve it. And especially as a rider fan or rider player and legend doing it to the Bombers. Oh, it's even more beautiful. But and they need to let that go. <laughs> he should be there alone. Yes. Like he should have his own wing, and part of it should be his playing days, and the other part should be him. With Taking what he did to Winnipeg. Oh, that, that alone, that should be on his plaque. And if he ever gets into the Hall of Fame, I hope that's at the bottom of his plaque. Because that, to me, that solidified his legend in, in Ryder Nation. He was always going to be a legend, but that was, that was the exclamation point on a legendary career. And oh, just... Beautiful. I understand we're, we're an hour and 15 in, but I'm going to make a very bold statement right now. If we had a um, Mount Rushmore and you, you had to pick Ronnie or Darian, I'm taking Darian. Wow. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Ronnie, again, wow. Ronnie as a, C, a CFL legend, yes. Importance to as the riders, 
Darian. Darian Durant does have two great cup rings as a player, something that Ronnie doesn't have. I I can't agree. I love Darian Durant. Ooh. I can't see. I can't put Durant above Lancaster, but they both belong on that Mount Rushmore. To me. I'm uh, I'm posting this or tweeting this right now, Greg. Um, cool. My Greg's, okay, Greg's is, gonna lose my, that. My one. my my Ryder Rush Rushmore: Tom Shepard, Hobson, Reed, doubles. I mean, if we're talking specifically about importance, it's hard I'm to talking look at legacy. Tom Shepard. I'm talking legacy, it, yeah. not on the field. I'm talking legacy. But that's not what a Mount Rushmore is. Yes, it is. No, the legacy to a team. Fine. Ta- okay, then doubles, Ronnie, um, George, and, and Hobson. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I'd agree with I just can't. I can't picture removing but if Ron I, Lancaster if, to put Darian Durant. I love Durant, and we got to watch his career in earnest. But to put Darian okay, Durant also, but above look, look, look at, Ron look, look Lancaster. At Ronnie stats. Whoa, look at Ronnie's stats. Whoa. Look at Ronnie's stats. Darian's they're are legendary. Yeah. No, they're not. The guy could throw an interception like nobody's business. Exactly. They're legendary that way. <laughs> Danny McManus could throw interceptions like nobody's business. Danny McManus, the Brett Favre of the CFL. <laughs> I, I, I would I would put it if we're talking legacy to the Riders, Darian Durant is more important than Ron Lancaster. I'm sorry. Yikes. Okay. I I I everybody I fifty like up to is say... gonna just absolutely rip you apart. I hope you know. I that. don't care. I'm I'm here for <laughs> but it. But on the Bring plus it. side, Let's most go. of them don't know how to use Twitter. Sorry, X, that so is true. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going. I'm going to get so trash on Facebook tonight. It's not even funny. Yeah, Facebook. Great. They're going to be ripping indie on MySpace. <laughs> um, there actually yeah, is a football game. Over. What? No, there's no football oh. game. Oh crap! Yeah. Um, oh, a very important. I won't be one. there. You. I won't be there. Um, very important for the riders because they <laughs> need to win this. Um, day one of practice, and of course, this is just day one. No Derek Moncrief, no Jeremy Clark, no Eric Lofton, no Jawan Breskison. Um, but the good news is that uh, Deontay Williams, Jamal Morrow, Anthony Lanier, and Trumaine Washington were all full participants. Um, so that's uh, uh, good stuff there. Um, I, I don't know. It depends on who the riders are playing because we found out today that Bo Levi Mitchell and Matthew Schultz uh, we're splitting first teams reps um, on Tuesday. And the way that Schultz came in uh, for the stamps or against the stamps um, and was throwing long balls and, and completing them and throwing touchdown passes um, gave the Ticats just a different look on offense uh, that we haven't seen for a while with Taylor Powell. And I think Taylor Powell was progressively getting better Um especially when they've been winning football games and got to almost 500 here, got to, you know, yeah, almost 500 here. Um, I I don't know. Like I kind of hope the riders are playing against Bo Levi Mitchell because we haven't seen him in a long time. And you kind of know what you're getting with him right now. Whereas Schultz, if he comes in kind of does what he did last week, that gives Hamilton a, a much better shot on offense. But let's face it, there's nothing Bully Mitchell enjoys more 
than just giving it to the writers. He 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 finds ways to beat the writers that the writers haven't even discovered yet. Like Bolivar Mitchell looked like crap at the beginning of the season until he got hurt. Let's be honest. Like he is not the Bolivar Mitchell that was in Calgary. Calgary made the right decision to move on. To Jake Mayer, that's another another yeah, opinion. They didn't have the right guy. They might have him, all, but they might have honestly cut him a year too late and they still made the right decision. That said, if Bolivar is good to go, you're paying him the money. He's probably playing. I don't think he gives him the best shot to win, but like I said, Bolivar Mitchell likes anything to turn the screws to the riders. On the plus side for Bolivar Mitchell, if he does in fact make the flight, he doesn't have to worry about a hotel room. We all know he's got a place to stay in Regina. He bought that house here in the offseason. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I wanted to make that joke, and I so waited you, too long. You know he's gonna he's gonna be fine. Whether he plays or not, he's got somewhere to sleep. I hope he plays. I love, I almost like booing Bo Levi Mitchell as much as I enjoyed booing Henry Burr. No, it's not the same level. No, it's I, not the I same. said almost. Not I don't, I don't, not there's not as much of a disdain for the man, but I enjoy booing him to the same level. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he flipped me off at CFL week and I no, just I genuinely flipper. don't I, like I love that picture. I love that picture. But then again, Steve, uh, you, as a media, you showed up in Jersey like you're joking. I, I, I was I was terrible that weekend. And honestly, it's funny to me that Bo Levi Mitchell can flip me off and I respect the heck out of him. Chris Traveler does absolutely nothing to me. And I hate that man until the end of time. It's just the way it is. I we're better off if Bo Levi Mitchell is behind center. Agreed. One hundred percent. Agree. But if you're Hamilton and you're gearing up for the playoffs and he is healthy, he has to be your guy. So you have to get him in there. And honestly, if you're going to get him in there, going up against a rider defense that has been listless at best for the last month and a bit might be the best place to get your feet wet. This is where Nick Marshall makes me eat my words this week, isn't it? He's going for three picks, two pick sixes. Yeah. He, he pulls a Macho Harris. This is what's going to happen right now. I see Macho once a week. He's a great dude. Um, still lives in Regina, which is awesome. Um, well, you look like you had something else to say about that. Nope. Gonna put it in the chat. No. Put it All in right. the chat. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think getting Lanier back is going to be a big deal. Um, I wish they'd play it more on the inside now that we have Albright picking up steam on the outside. Um, if they can find a bit more of a rotation in uh, in that D-line, I think that'll keep them fresh and get some pressure back on the quarterback because we haven't seen a ton of that lately. Um, well, when you bring Lanier in, you got Albright, you got Robertson. I think you got a good rotation there. They, they seem to got the middle figured with Christmas and Brown. Uh, Micah and uh, DeBeer. I, it, it's coming together. Like this defense is, it feels like it's coming together, but we, we got to make the playoffs. And right Even now, we are the worst close. defense in the league. It, it feels like we got something. I, I understand. Like if, but it still feels like we have something. It does. They, they, they're doing too much bending, way too much bending. The bending What's that the f- everyone used to, used to hate. We're doing a lot of it. What's the football equivalent of COVID? Because that's what it feels like we've got on that defense. 
this defense. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I, I, since that beast or since the Labor Day game ended, I don't know what you're seeing in that we've got something. Nothing about this defense has me excited until they put up or shut up. I'm, I'm not going to go into a game excited again. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm looking at a granular level. There's a bunch of very good players that have been doing some good things. But then there's the play. They give up a ton of big plays. They're second and long. And where you think we're okay, they're going to get a punt. Next thing you know, they get 30 yards. Like, they're blowing plays that they should make, and it's just, you're right. Like, this defense is sh- it hasn't shown nothing, but some individual efforts have been showing something. But as a whole, it's, looks, it looks terrible. You're not wrong. Here's the problem. Yes, they have a ton of individual talent, and I will even agree. I think they have the pieces on that defense that would put them at a championship-caliber defense, but they still have the same coaching staff there. That's where the problem is. And you're seeing absolutely no accountability on that defense whatsoever. You give up a a big play, you know your coach is going to clap for you. He's going to tap you on the back of the helmet, tell him he loves you, and you'll be out there again the next game or the next play. There is zero accountability for making mistakes. If If you make an error, if you make a mistake, you know you're fine. You're not, your job is never at risk. And you cannot play football that way. There's a difference between not having to look over your shoulder waiting for the next guy and knowing that the guy behind you is 30 yards behind you with no concern for him taking over your job. And that's where they are right now. To me. And they've been there for several years now. This is why we see this team fall apart at the point that it did last season, at the point that it did again this season. And until they show me something different, I just I have a hard time getting excited for it. And this this sucks. Again, I'm the eternal optimist. I don't know what has happened over the last year and a half. I've turned into Alex. Alex has turned into me. Greg, you're still Greg. Which is awesome. Is it? Sure. <laughs> Whatever helps like, you sleep at night. Like, honestly, I don't know why. I, I used to get excited for our defense. It's, it's getting hard to, to get amped up when they step out onto the field, because I'm waiting for them to make, make a mistake. And I don't like that. I hope they prove me wrong, and I hope they shut Hamilton out, and they turn the corner and something clicks, and we can celebrate a nice winning streak, but I'm... There's no way, when we get to the pick there's you can already tell which way I'm leaning until they show me otherwise. There's, I don't think there's a team we beat right now. We lost to Ottawa. We lost to Edmonton. I'm okay with losing to BC. That's a good football team. But if we can't beat Edmonton at home and we can't beat Ottawa in Ottawa where they can't win. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's do the pick them right now then because uh, we're way over time. Um, yeah, we are. Hamilton Edmonton, by 12. Yeah. <laughs> um, first game of the week, Edmonton at Toronto. No line. So just go with your yeah. Um, I would assume that Toronto is probably favored by like 10 points. Um, like I said, no line. So yeah, yeah whatever you, well, whatever nobody, you think it's going to be, nobody, I think knows Toronto's going to win regardless. Doesn't matter. Yeah, nobody so. knows who Toronto's going to play at quarterback yet. I'm assuming that it's actually going to be Chad Kelly in this game. 
uh, Edmonton. It's, it's it's the 150th anniversary game. Yeah. They're bringing out all the dignitaries. Doug Flutie's going to be there. Yeah, Flutie's there. Yeah. Every, everyone's going to be Gretzky there. Wayne going to be there? Uh, I don't think so. They have announced some. I know John Candy's going not going to be there, obviously, for reasons. Wow. Uh, so. Wow. <laughs> well, you brought up Wayne Gretzky. What else do you want me to do? Uh, Bruce McDonald's not, not going to be there. Fun of a dead jail. guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm not making. Fun. I love John Candy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Top five comedian of all time. Anyways, he is. Anyway, uh, 150 game. Kelly's got to play, but yeah, Toronto's going to win by a lot because it doesn't matter. The spread's not there. So. We saw what their third third string did against Winnipeg. They're they're going to walk all over Edmonton and end Edmonton's. Very, very tiny playoff hopes. Yeah, Toronto wins. Um, the big game of the week, um, Winnipeg at BC, basically for first place and, and bye. Um, Super tight. Yeah, I, I'm i probably going to... I'm going to say Winnipeg by half a point. Oh, where's my ding sound? Where's my ding sound? Oh, I was going to say BC by half a point. <laughs> Winnipeg, half a point. In Winnipeg or BC? It's in BC. BC. Ooh. Give me BC all day. Oh, sorry. I lied. I misread that. BC is a half point favorite. Yeah. There you go. Because I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I like Winnipeg BC. wins. I think I like Winnipeg BC. wins. Give me, give me BC and, it, and it, the points. I'll take the points too, just for fun. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's a pick. <laughs> 51 and a half. I, I think it's, it might be an over, and I think BC's Oh, that's win. an over. That's an over for sure. Um, we'll do the Ryder game last, uh, so we'll skip ahead to Ottawa at Montreal. On um, Monday. On, on, on Monday. That's right, Thanksgiving. Um, so that'll be a nice 11 a.m. game um, for us here in Saskatchewan. Um, I'm assuming Montreal's probably by like six and a half. I'm going to go Monday. Montreal by six and a half. That sounds good. Let's go with that. <laughs> six and a half. Over under a 47 and a half. Uh, Montreal with the points and over. I'm going to go Montreal with the points, but under. Ottawa is still really bad. I'm with Alex. I think it's going to be over. I think uh, uh, they're going to embarrass Ottawa. I really I see it coming, and I think Montreal is going to score at least 30. So, Yeah. I, I think so too. And the under. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and of course, Hamilton at Saskatchewan. I don't even know where this line should be. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's the riders by half a point. Uh, I'm going to go Hamilton by one and a half. You guys are both way off. Saskatchewan by five and a half. What? Wow. The Riders can over under of 49 and a half. I'm sorry, five and a half. Five, Wait, you know what? Five. I apologize. I did not take into account how a team is going to come out after the death of a legend like George Reed. That I was going to say, I don't care what the effect. spread is, Riders by a billion. Yeah, they have right, to. Right, if there's right, ever a game where they have to come out and just kick, you know what? It's this one. It is absolutely this one. 
if Riders are not up by two scores by the end of the first quarter, they are going to lose this game. There's no reason why they should not put the foot down the throat. With with games like this, there is two ways that it can go. Because this we all know it's going to be an emotional week at practice. It's going to be an emotional game day. A team is either going to come out absolutely on fire and and rip rip into Hamilton, or they're going to come out completely flat. There is no in-between, and we're going to find out exactly who this team is. Because if you come out flat on a game like this, they're not winning another game this year. This is the game where you have to put... You, you take all of that in, and that crowd is going to be next level amped up when kickoff hits. Because you're going to have that tribute, the moment of silence, the, the cheer, the standing ovation that I hope he gets. There is going to be a, an atmosphere in that stadium I don't think we've seen in a while. And if they can't feed off of that and absolutely tear into Hamilton, we're done. This season is over. You can put us down for... 6 and 12 and congratulations to Calgary for somehow squeaking into the playoffs you jerks. They they're wearing the retros this week, right? I know it hasn't been Oh, enough, they have to. Have they they, they got to be wearing the retros this week. So if you're if you're wearing that jersey and you're honoring that man and you still can't cover a guy because you just want a lollygag, you you're you're out after this week. Blow blow what? Hamilton out of the water. Remind me, I can't I can't think back that long. How did we do in the game following Ronnie Lancaster's <laughs> passing? Stu Ford had himself a game. That that was the game that, that Stu sense. Ford was Stu Ford had two touchdowns on yeah, it was. I was there. I was there that, that game. That was because that was against BC, wasn't it? Yep. I thought the game. I thought the first game post Ronnie was against uh, the Stamps. Nope. No. Oh, okay. No. Unless they had the twenty three. I, I just remember the twenty threes on the because uh, I was on the working on the road that game uh, around that time, and I was at the Ronnie Lancaster game. So I don't know. A lot of those uh, years in Section twenty seven is kind of a blur to me. So yeah, I bet it you would be. Ask me about specific games. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't really tell you too much. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, riders have to win by a large amount. They they have to, they absolutely have to. And I'm with you if they don't, it's, it's blow up time. It's, they're gonna, they're gonna wave the white flag and they're just going to kneel over and die this year is exactly what's going to happen. Like they're just going to give away their playoff lives and Calgary will get in at six and 12 as well too, but they'll have the tiebreaker. They like, lost 27 21 to BC post Ronnie's death. They oh. did lose that one. I thought okay, they I lost. I guess I. I oh, Greg I was, in fact, wrong. I belongs on a shirt. It doesn't happen a lot. So, yeah, it should. It, it, it happens more, more than you think. You just don't have the ding for when you're wrong. We need to get you like yeah. a horn sound for every time you're wrong so you know how often. We're now thirty in. Yeah. All right. So riders by a ton has to be. Yeah. And we'll see. I know I said, I said before I was going to pick Hamilton to, to win. I can't do it. The riders are going to win this one. So I'm, I'm going back on my word. I'm taking the riders. Homer. Steve is back for one more game. This is it. This is their last chance. 
Well, we'll see everybody there. Legends night this upcoming Saturday, the 2013 Grey Cup team will be honored at halftime. Um, but more importantly, uh, George Reed will be honored and celebrated throughout the game before and during the game. And look forward, looking forward to seeing uh, everybody out there and, and cheering loud for the Riders uh, doing their part to honor George Reed and get the Riders a big time win against the Thai Cats. Uh, we'll be back next week, breaking down that game and looking ahead to the big Calgary Stampeders game on Friday the 13th next week. Um, but until then, of course, Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends over at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks, of course. Always go out to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Thank you, everybody uh, listening to the show wherever you find your podcasts, watching on YouTube, watching on SaskTel Max. We appreciate it. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. Best easy, George. <laughs>